This is the podcast Find It with Kate Moorhead. This is Kate Moorhead, and you're listening to Find It The Vital Signs of the Spiritual Life. The second vital sign is giving. At the root of much of the brokenness and evil of this world is the perception of emptiness. When a person is afraid that her needs will not be met, she becomes afraid. That fear in and of itself can be merely motivating and and is a good quality. But if this fear takes hold, if it begins to run out of control and doesn't dissipate once enough shelter and food are procured, it becomes greed. And it is greed born of fear that lies at the root of most evils of this world. The sins of slavery, mass murder of natives, and many other atrocities are rooted in the notion that one human being can own more than another. Once a person has his needs provided, that person doesn't stop wanting more, and the perception of needing more is distorted. Wants become confused with needs and the individual who began by simply providing for himself begins to oppress others. What that person fails to see is that ownership at the expense of any person or creature is a recipe for disaster, for we are all interconnected. Even the concept of ownership is a broken concept, as all human beings are merely caretakers on this earth, here for a short time. As the psalmist said, we are a breath that comes and goes away. We are not here long, and we cannot own or hold on to something when we ourselves won't last long enough to grasp it. How can a temporary being hold on to anything permanently? Our bodies are here for a short time. We cannot take anything with us. Years ago, I heard a story of a man whose wealthy father was dying. His father had been a very successful businessman, rising from poverty to great riches by buying and selling first used cars and then real estate. The father was proud to raise his son, but was diligent about never giving his son much money, hoping that the hardship his son endured would also shape the character of his child. Although his father was a millionaire, the son had to work hard to make ends meet. The son did well for himself, never becoming as wealthy as his father, but earning a living and providing for his family. At the age of 65, the father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. After battling the disease, he was greatly weakened and eventually had to be put on hospice care. It was time to write his will something that he had avoided all his life. But the stark reality of his death was staring him in the face, and he was forced to give for the first time in his life. The father neglected to discuss his will with his only son. He struggled with giving his son any of his wealth, as his son had not earned it. But he did not want to give the money away to charity either. He struggled mightily. 
As his father lay dying, the son sat beside his bedside in the hospice unit. He noticed his dad's Rolodex watch. His dad loved that watch and had worn it as a sign of his success for almost all of his adult life. For the son, it was a symbol of strength, and there was nothing that reminded him more of his dad. Dad, the adult son said, would you be willing to give me your watch? No, my son, the father said, I just don't want to give it up. And so the father was buried with his Rolodex watch on. And I suppose the watch now sits by itself in a concrete box, in a mahogany casket, in the ground of a cemetery, the bones of the father having mostly dis disintegrated. The watch sits alone, unused and lost. The watch is now owned by no one down under the ground where it has no worth at all. The man lived under the illusion that he owned the money that he earned, that it was his to hold and to keep. This illusion turned idolatrous. He began to worship his wealth and to confuse it with his identity and purpose. He did not know how to give, and he died without loving his son well. As Jesus said so clearly, you cannot serve God and wealth. The concept of ownership is, at its very essence, flawed. We cannot own as we do not have permanence. We can eat and consume food. We can wear clothes and we can utilize objects to perform tasks. We can grow plants and we can care for animals. We can hand over objects and money into the care of others. But we cannot really own, not in a permanent sense. We cannot possess, for we do not live long enough to do more than borrow. In the only prayer that Jesus taught us, he asks God to give us this day our daily bread. He does not ask for money, but for food. And he doesn't ask for more than what is needed this very day. He wants us to ask to be fed in the present moment. There is no hoarding, no saving, no holding. He simply asked to be fed today so that he could live. The concept of ownership has broken our world. As human beings have tried to amass wealth, we have distorted our relationship with each other and with the planet. We have tried to possess people animals, land, and even our own children, and it has nearly broken us. I think back to the European settlers landing in Virginia and taking land that the Native Americans were living on, claiming that they owned it simply by standing on it, building houses upon it, or murdering its prior inhabitants. Owning land is like trying to wrap your arms around a whale. It is too big for us to hold onto. We don't own the land and we can't control the weather. We cannot own something so huge and complex and beyond our understanding. It would be like claiming to own a star. On Juneteenth, for the first time in the history of this country, 
we celebrated a federal holiday. On this day in 1865, the last of the enslaved people were liberated in Galveston, Texas, when 2,000 Union soldiers marched into town. It is a day in which we repent of the incredible abomination that was slavery and the fact that it took us hundreds of years to begin to awaken to its destruction and consequences for all of humanity. God forgive us for this great sin, which at its heart was all about the distortions of greed and ownership. God forgive us for thinking that we could own another human being. In the Gospels, Jesus talks more about giving than he does about prayer. When people ask him what they should do, his first response is not to tell them to pray, but to tell them to give. If you have two coats, give one away, he says. I cannot stress this point enough. There is no spiritual health, no true freedom in God without radical giving. When we give, we push back on the greatest of human sin. We fight the lie of ownership and we begin to right the world. It is almost impossible for Americans to face the idolatrous notion of ownership that consumes us. It hits too close to home. It is the very fabric upon which our society is built. How can we begin to awaken to this concept when everything in our world tells us to earn and save and own? Where do we even begin? It overwhelms us so much that most of us just choose to ignore this portion of Jesus's teaching or to give some small amount and call it a day, patting ourselves on the back for gifts that are not sacrificial and don't even touch our wealth. Is there any way to emerge from this distorted concept of ownership? Is there any way out of the morass that we have created? Can humanity function in any other way than through competition and consumption? Could we ever come to another understanding of our role as caretakers of this planet? And do we have the capacity to share in the riches of this earth? Don't get me wrong, I believe that capitalism is the most successful formula we've ever had. We have more people who are well off, who are fed, than ever before in human history. But it's not enough, is it? It's simply not good enough. Once we recognize the depth of our distortion of ownership, it can overwhelm us. But with God's help, we can take the first steps. We can begin by walking in the way of Jesus, and that means we can learn to give. When we give, we counteract the self-centered distortion of greed. Every single act of giving is countercultural. Every time you give, you do something radical, something that has the potential to change the world. Climbing a mountain begins with the first step, and the first step in realigning our relationship with God and with this creation is to give. Just begin without judgment or shame. I know that it seems overwhelming because Jesus sets such a high standard, but taking the first step is huge. As far as we know, Jesus did not possess more than the clothes on his own back. 
Saints throughout the centuries have often begun to lead a life of prayer by first giving all that they owned away. St. Francis even went so far as to strip off all his clothes and stand naked in the town square. Living lives of simplicity with a minimum of belongings seems to free the mind and soul. It unburdens us. When my marriage ended, I was left with one son at home and a house full of stuff filled with mixed memories. At first, my instinct was to move into a rented big house and take all the stuff with me. How could I throw away the third grade football trophy that my son won? What about their paintings from when they were little? Pictures, my grandmother's silver. To my surprise and anger, the people who owned the big house that I was renting decided to sell it. I was outraged. I had just moved in. They had to adhere to the one-year lease, but then I was out and there was nothing that I could do about it. I wondered why. Why did God want me to move again? Hadn't I been through enough? I felt depressed and angry, but I was forced to move, so I began to pack my stuff again. And something happened. Here I was, reading about the care of the environment, while I packed up all this stuff that I never used. What was I doing? Why did I need all this? When my oldest son came home from college, I made up his room with all his trophies and stuff from his childhood. He said, Mom, this is a shrine to my eight-year-old self. I don't want to stay here. I was devastated, but I realized that he was right. I was holding on to the past, just as I held on to my stuff. I needed to let go. So I began to purge. I rented a house that was a third of the size and I only packed what I felt that I used and needed. Everything else had to go. Books, clothes, pots and pans, knickknacks and on and on. Boxes and boxes. Some people thought I was crazy. You're giving away your dining room table? Are you crazy? But I was finally not crazy. I finally felt a little bit sane. So here I am in this new smart house that I'm calling it. And I still have my way more stuff than Jesus. And I still live quite high off the hog, but something has been lifted off me. I feel more free and able to move into the next chapter of my life. I feel able to be present. Can you liberate yourself from some of your stuff? Have you begun to believe that it is you? Remember the story of the diplomat who was serving in China before the revolution. He and his wife and two kids lived in a beautiful old home with many lovely antiques. The soldiers knocked on the front door late one morning and told them in no uncertain terms that they were to be sent back to America. The soldiers instructed them that they would only be able to take 300 pounds of belongings. The family began to make a pile of the things that they needed to bring home. They placed their most precious belongings in the pile, Albert's precious violin in its case, the vase that belonged to her great-grandmother, the painting that they had found so many years ago while on their honeymoon, their favorite clothes, and on and on. The pile was much too big and clearly would surpass the weight limit, so the family began to bicker about which objects to take. They were still bickering when the soldiers returned to escort them out of the country. And with just three words, the soldiers completely transformed the family's relationship with their precious belongings. 
One of the soldiers simply said, weigh the children. The father, the diplomat, would later write that at that moment, with those three words, all those invaluable things became nothing but trash. Trash. You cannot bring any of this stuff with you. All that you will bring to God will be the love that you hold in your heart. Focus on that and let go of the stuff. It will weigh you down and make you forget what is truly important. This is the podcast Find It with Kate Moorhead.